Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Ezra, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezra. We'll be in chapter 2 this morning, uh, this evening, sorry. <clears throat> and give me an amen once you are there. Amen. And so, Father, again, we come before you this evening with just gratitude, Lord. We're just so grateful for your love, for your grace, for your mercy upon us, Lord. Every day your mercies are new, and we need them every day, Lord. We need your presence in our life, Lord. We need your love and your goodness and your directions. And Lord, we're just so grateful for the cross. We're grateful for our salvation. And we pray, Lord, that we would hear from you tonight as we study your word. May you bless it, Father. Lord, I'm... I understand that without you, I can do nothing. And neither can any of us really receive without your grace. And so, Lord, we pray, soften our hearts, Lord, and help us to receive your word tonight. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. Amen. All right, so Ezra chapter 2, as you know, after 70 years of the Babylonian captivity, Cyrus, king of Persia, has given the edict for the Israelites to be freed and to be able to go home to their land, Israel, to rebuild the temple of the Lord. It was the Lord that moved his heart, we read last week, that uh, God moved his spirit. And here this pagan king understood that God had given him everything, and, and now he uh, understands that God is calling him to give back to Judah and Israel their land and their, their temple uh, to build the house of the Lord. And so he encouraged the Israelites to go, to go and honor their Lord and, and rebuild. And he not only encouraged them, but he also gave them the articles, all of the utensils, the silver, the gold that Nebuchadnezzar had taken originally from the temple to Babylon. And so he gives them all this stuff and sends them off. And so uh, the heads of, of the fathers of houses of Judah and Benjamin, they all uh, got up as, as the Lord uh, also stirred their spirits and they, they arose to go up and build the house which was in Jerusalem. And so God's Holy Spirit is moving with uh, this Persian king of all people, but also with his own people. And so, verse 1, we continue. Now, these are the people of the province who came back from the captivity of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone to his own city. And this chapter is basically just a huge list of the people who would return. And so 
Uh, we're not going to belabor the list too much and kind of skip through that. But what's interesting to me is, is the reality that, that here this edict is out for the people to be able to return to their homeland and rebuild their temple. But not all of the exiles get up and go. That's crazy to me. That's a, that's a very strange thing. And uh, uh, many would prefer the comforts and the security that they got used to in Babylon over uh, going on the long and dangerous journey back to Jerusalem. And it's just hard to fathom because they were so miserable in, in the captivity and, and, and so brokenhearted in the way they were taken uh, to Babylon as captives. They were completely and utterly broken and ashamed, and it was God's judgment upon them because they had turned on the Lord. But nonetheless, it wasn't, you know, a, a pretty ride. It was terrible. They they wrote a, a one, that wonderful Psalm 137 that speaks of, of them going to Babylon. In Psalm 137, they said, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and wept when we remembered Zion. And so that's a super famous uh, psalm that we've all heard, and we've heard it in songs. We've sang about that as well. But it's, it's famous for the, the last part of it also. It's pretty heavy. Uh, in verse 8 and 9 of Psalm 137, the psalmist writes, O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rocks. And so it wasn't a pretty picture for them in that captivity. But yet it's shocking how so many exiles decided to stay in, you know, Persia now, but Babylon, the place of their captivity, rather than by faith step out and go back to the land that God had given their fathers, rather than to step out in, in faith like their fathers are getting up and going, so many stood back and did not go. It reminds me of the other uh, captives, uh, the Israelites of Exodus, who were in bondage to Egypt. As you know, the Lord saved them from 400 years of slavery. And though God did all of these miracles, we read that they lusted after food in the wilderness and they complained. They complained while eating, you know, angels' food, manna. And so God would give them quail. But they complained and it says that they lusted exceedingly in the desert. And they preferred rather to go back into slavery, guys, just so that they can eat the food that was so delicious back in Egypt. I don't know about Egyptian food today, but it's, I haven't heard much about it. I apologize to any Egyptians watching right now, but I'm sure it's good stuff. But in Numbers 11, they, they cried out. They said, we remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes, man. They wanted the, the foods of Egypt. 
being slaves is a different matter to them. They just wanted the comfort and the foods that it provided. And, you know, I'm, the question needs to be asked. Why do so many people today want to live in Babylon? And Babylon's a picture of the world, the old life, a life without Christ. Think of the world around us. How incredible that people are not running to faith in Jesus Christ. That our Lord said, narrow is the path that leads to life, and there are few who find it narrow and difficult, but broad is the path that leads to destruction, and there are many who are on it. I am just blown away. You're blown away as well, because it wasn't too long ago that you were in the world as they were, were lost, without purpose and without... There's anything that I hated about the world was, was the loneliness and the hopelessness. It was like a hamster on a, on a hamster wheel. It's like we were going nowhere. The best that we can, can live is what we can conjure up in our passions and what we thought would make us happy. That's it. And then we hoped one day when we died, if we get to live an old age, that yeah, we'd be comforted somewhere and you know, there was no need for faith in Christ. There was no need for, for religion or, or, or faith. Or it, it just, we lived for ourselves and it was so hopeless. And we were in the world lost, unwanted, not wanting to come to Christ. The Bible tells us for one huge reason we were that way. And it's because of Satan. Satan has blinded the eyes of this world. And it's only through Jesus Christ that our eyes can be made open. Amen, amen. Satan has deceived people into living for themselves, in living for their own rights, in living for their own philosophies, rather than surrendering their life to the God who loves them. Living for self living for their own rights, living for their own philosophies. They make up their own path to heaven in their minds. And most of the world thinks that they're good people and they're going to end up uh, in, in heaven some way. But it's certainly to them, it's not going to be through Jesus. Why? Because Satan. And it, and it goes back to Genesis as he deceived Eve. The whole world is under the the influence or the sway of the devil, the same deception that he deceived Eve, he still does today. In Genesis 3, he said, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. And so the lie that was given to Eve is the same lie that this world has bitten into and believes it, uh, you know, hook, line, and sinker. 
that they can be their own gods. They can decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. And also, the, the, the other big lie is that they will not die. My goodness, don't they know that they're dead already? But that lie that they will not die. I was pondering this today a lot. This reality of eternal death. Second death, the Bible refers to it. Where millions upon millions of people, even now, are burning in and being tormented in hell. The reality of that. Lord, help us to understand the reality of hell. And it, it sure makes the gospel better news, doesn't it? To have a re, the reality of hell, which Jesus spoke so much about, where the worm does not die, where there's gnashing of the teeth and the flame is not quenched and um, just torment. He may have told Eve that lie and she may have bitten it and, and, and was deceived, but death entered the world right there and then, spiritual death and then physical death. And sin leads to, to death, the Bible says. And um, so death is a real thing. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said the thief, this is Satan, right? The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I believe the devil doesn't just come uh, to steal, to kill, and to destroy here on earth, but I believe that he intends to kill for eternity, to send people to hell with him. In Matthew 16, verse 24 through 27, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And Jesus gives the pathway to salvation there. Whoever desires to come after him must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. He's basically saying that we have to stop living the selfish life. We have to stop living for self-will. We have to stop living for our rights. We have to stop living for our own philosophies. If we want to go to heaven, we need to follow Jesus, deny ourselves, and follow him. That, that's the way to heaven. And, and he says, you know, that if we lose our life, for his sake, that is where we find it. I mean, the deception of the devil, do your own thing and you'll be content. You'll be happy. Just eat the melons and the leeks and the garlics of Egypt. Just eat the fruit and, and uh, you know, the good times of Babylon. That's the world they're lost. They know that they will thirst again. They have to keep going back to the liquor store, back to the drug dealer, back to the immorality sexually and the experience. They have to go again and again and again, like the woman at the well. 
There are five husbands. Jesus said, you know, you will you drink of this well, you will thirst again. And for those of us who have uh, unfortunately experienced those things in the world, we know that those things leave you so empty. But it is it is Satan who has put the veil, the blinders on people so that they they do not see the truth. But that's why we're here. We're here to pray that they would see that the strong man would be bound and to pray with urgency and passion and sincerity and with faith, not just praying, Lord, open their eyes, remove the blinders, but we believe you can do so. For your glory, open their eyes. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, Paul says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The veil is there because they've been blinded by Satan. Turn with me to Luke 17. And just keep this idea of uh, why some of these exiles would rather stay in Babylon than to go about God's will going home to Jerusalem. Luke 16. Luke 16. And give me an amen once you are there. Beginning with verse 19, I love this story. I do not believe it's a parable, but I believe it's a real story. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And so before the cross and the resurrection, uh, Old Testament saints would would be in this uh, Hades, it would be divided into compartments with the gulf in between. One side would be a side of torment. The other side would be a side of comfort. And then when Christ came and died and rose, all of that became one compartment and they went up to heaven, uh, those who were in the place of comfort. And so, and being in torment uh, in Hades, he lifted up, or in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried, And said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Isn't that heavy? These are the words of our Lord and Savior. These are the words of our King. You know, this this is a serious matter. You know, where, where the rich man is, is, is in torment and he, you know, has his wits about him. He can see there's Lazarus and he, they're there with Abraham and, and, and he can 
remember, and he's got all his faculties there, and he's he's asking Abraham, please have mercy and allow Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. I mean, Jesus is speaking of himself there. He rose. We have the gospel. And I wonder how many people would turn to Jesus if we were to share with them more of the consequences that await the world for rejecting Jesus Christ as their Lord. The Bible says to save some with fear. Remember that? So we're going to go more fire and brimstone here. No, I'm just But it's a good thing to, in love, mention the reality of hell. Reminds me of when I got saved at Raw Reese's Church. It was like every message, and and it still is. Thank God. You're going to go to hell if you don't repent. That's one of the most loving statements a Christian could ever say. You know? Um. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. All that the kingdom is, is at hand. If it's rejected, that same kingdom you reject will send you further into Satan's kingdom where you'll be burning for eternity. And so some, it is the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance, but the Bible does also say, save some with fear. Knowing the terror of the Lord, Paul says, we persuade men. And so why won't they leave Babylon and come into a life with God? Because Satan has blinded them. And God has placed all of us here to pray for our communities, our neighbors, our friends, our family. Lord, that they would see. Because the reality is that their life goes on forever in torment. Satan has duped so many people, hasn't he? Ephesians 2 says, But you he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, for which he has loved us, 
Uh, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, uh, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so we know this has taken place for us. He has uh, transmitted us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so we were in darkness. We were in darkness. But God forbid that the case is for us as believers tonight that there's still a part of us that still wants to kick back. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.